0: Turn, please, in the New Testament to 2 Corinthians, the uh, sixth chapter. For a few weeks now, we've been on the subject we're calling uh, separated. Separated. Does the Bible say anything about being separated? Let's look at our text 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Well, i tell you what, uh, back up a little bit, back up to verse 11, and let's notice this today. He said, O you Corinthians, our mouth is open to you and our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, or we might say restricted or narrowed. But you are straightened or restricted in your own bowels or your own insides. Here he's talking about, do you hear, enlarged or narrowed in the heart. Did you know your heart, not talking much your physical blood pump now, but your, the core of your being can be enlarged and open or it can be restricted and shut down. And uh, verse 13, he said, now for a recompense in the same I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Uh, He's saying, my heart is open and receptive of you. But it hadn't been so much that way (laughs) with you for me. And uh, we'll we'll see as we get into this uh, more today, I believe, that uh, in, this is second corinthians you know why there's a second corinthians because there was a first corinthians what is first why I say first and second corinthians it was the first letter that he wrote and sent to the church at corinth and we know it wasn't just a letter it was inspired by the holy spirit it's the living word of god for everybody for every generation And then now he writes to them, inspired by the Spirit, a second letter. And so really to understand what's going on in the second letter, you would need to know what happened in the first letter. And we've already touched on this. I think we'll look at it again. But he, the Spirit of God through him, corrected them substantially about a number of things. And was pretty straight with them. About some things and told them some things that were kind of tough to do and hard to do. So now, can you see what he's talking about? He he said, My heart's open to you still, but you know, you need to come open up a little better to me. Do you understand that when you love people, you won't just coddle them and help them live in their delusion? You will tell them truth in love. Even if it's something they don't want to hear. Even if it's something that requires major adjustments. Even if they don't like you for a while. Love will tolerate you not liking me if it helps you. And having faith that when it's all said and done, you'll grow up, you'll see why I said it and did it, and you'll love me for it. You'll see I was looking out for you. Had your best interest at heart and mind. And there's some of that going on here. And that's what leads up to the next verse in verse 14 where he says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? None. What communion has light with darkness? None. What conquered has Christ with Belial or the devil? None. What part has he that believes with an infidel? An unbeliever? None. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I'll dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Them what? The unbelievers Right? The unrighteous, the darkness, the things of the devil come out from the ungodly, the untrue, the unrighteous, the wrong, the defiled. Come out from among that and be ye separate. You see why I titled this that? Be ye separate. Are there things you should separate yourself from and stay separate from? There are, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Spiritual things are just as real, and you could say more real, than natural things. This is something that's kind of mind-boggling when you get into it, but uh, matter is not as real as spirit. What do you mean by that? The Bible tells us all of this is temporary. It's temporary. But spirit is eternal and permanent. (laughs) And those who understand physics and know some of these things, they tell us that in what we perceive as a solid object, there's actually more space here than anything else. And that the electromagnetic force it's what makes it feel firm. And, you know, Phyllis was reading that testimony about that, that young believer in college that the guy jumped on and, and tried to, you know, repute her with so-called science, and, and that's a Bible term, so-called yes. science. One of the big things to watch out about people that try to argue these things, they assume you will agree with their presumptions. And a lot of times when people say, well, scientists have proven this and that, you need to stop right there and go, who did? Right. Who proved it? Who said it's true? Because all of this stuff is built on false presumptions, That's right. unproven theories. That's right. Do not just agree with all these unproven theories. Right. And if the Word of God is true, anything that disagrees with it, is wrong, That's right. That's right. whether you see it now, or people find out in 300 years, That's right? right? That's right. <laughs> it'll be shown, it'll be demonstrated, already it's happening more and more that science, so-called, is catching up with the Bible. That's right. That's right. And if you think, well, uh, the Bible disagrees with itself, no, there's just lots you don't understand, That's right. you don't know what you're reading, no, it does not, if it's inspired by God, it does not. It's right. And uh, here he says, Don't touch the unclean thing. What are we talking about? Just like there's nasty stuff in the natural that you got no business touching, handling, being around, living in, breathing, eating, there is nasty stuff spiritually. And it's real. It's not. Imaginary. It's real. There's stuff that to watch it, to hear it, to talk it, to think about it is defiling. Amen. You need to be cleaned afterwards. Yes. And that's not imaginary. Spiritually, it's real. If you could see in the spirit, you'd see and go, whoo, ah, <laughs> you need a bath before you come in here. That's, that's nasty. And thank God. There is cleansing. There is washing. Hallelujah. Certainly there is for unbelievers, but even believers can get their feet dirty in this world. And thank God, no matter what the defilement may be, there's nothing the blood of the Lamb can't cleanse and wash. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that? And that's what he's talking about. God himself is perfect perfect purity there doesn't come any more clean <laughs> than him he is perfect purity he is perfect holiness and he said you're mine and I'm, I'm your God and I'm here to live in you and, and walk with you well he doesn't like evil and filth and so he's saying come out of that junk and live with me and quit defiling yourself with all of that separate yourself from what defiles and walk with me and be clean didn't he say be ye holy as I am holy and we see that that's part of that only he can do and only the blood can do but us keeping ourselves out of the thing that defiles us that's our choice And that's what it gets into verse 18 and the next verse, I'll be a father to you, you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. There are nasty things physically and there are nasty things spiritually, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's a lot of stuff we've got no business being involved in. A lot of things we don't need to be a part of in this ungodly world. Go with me back to uh, 1 Corinthians 5. I want to remind you of what led up to this second letter. We'll just read a part of it. We've read it before, but I want to remind you. I know everybody wasn't here. In all of the previous ones. But one of the things that he, the Spirit of God through Paul, corrected them and reproved them about was some of the sexual sin that the members were involved in. And in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1, he said, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. So somebody, now you've got to remember this, in the church at Corinth. This is not an outsider unbeliever. This is somebody in the church that had maybe been baptized in the church, maybe was working on a team. Y'all understand? And he and his stepmother had gotten involved and decided that they're meant for each other and so apparently she has left his father and now they're moved in together, whatever the case may be. And uh, (laughs) y'all are quiet. (laughs) Are we reading the Bible? You know, the Bible doesn't play around. It says it like it is. It deals with it. In verse uh, 2, it says, uh, and you are puffed up, and if not rather mourned, that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Their response was not, what? You moved in with your stepmother. That was not their response. What was their response? Puffed up. Puffed up. What could you be puffed up? Puffed up is, has to do with pride and haughtiness. What they believed they had a superior revelation of grace. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> I hear rumbling through the crowd. <laughs> that uh, you know Jesus has already paid for all of your sins and past, present, and future. And he don't even care that much about the body and all those kind of things. So it don't really matter that much. And, you know, maybe they're not doing exactly right, but God loves them and, and we love them. And, and so they can keep singing in the choir and, and they can keep working in this and working in that. And the Spirit of God through Paul said, uh-uh, nope, nope. And this is one of the places where he's correcting them. He said, I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit. I've judged this already as though I were present. You know, the spirit is real. Things can be done in spirit without you actually physically being there. Concerning them that has so done this deed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Whoa, what? There's so much revelation here. Why not just deliver him to God for the destruction of the flesh? God's not the destroyer. Why in the world would you do that? Because the path they're on, they could wind up lost. I know some people don't believe that either. But you don't lose your will. Just because you get saved. And if you get to the place where you get so far off and so blind that you reject Jesus, you could be lost after you had been saved. But it'd be better if you got judged and even lost some things in the immediate and even in the flesh, but you got back to God, that your spirit be saved than the other. These people needed to see how far off they were. Because I know it's the same today as it was then. They, they probably told some people they had prayed about it. And the Lord told them. That you know his dad wasn't treating her right. And didn't deserve her. And that they had missed it by getting married anyway. And that really... They, you know, the stepmother and the stepson, they were soulmates, And God had revealed it to them. And confirmed it to them. Why did I say that? You ever heard anything like that? This guy's just going on all over the place. In the church. Yeah, we prayed and God told us, you know, it'd be alright. He's kind of making an exception with us. <laughs> he told us, yeah, I know there's several scriptures that say it ain't right, but You know, we checked in with him and he said, it's okay. (laughs) Just don't, you know, don't say, don't broadcast it. Don't say much about it, but keep it on the down low. No, 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 (laughs) no. Come on, help me out. Say no. no, no, you got right. You got wrong. And there are times you need to say no. This is unacceptable. And it's not a matter of judging the person and going, oh, I'd never. Except for the grace of God, you'd be in the same place. I'm right. yeah. right. not talking about judging them or judging why they did it. You're judging what is happening. Yes. You're saying, and, and church leaders need to do this. Not judge the people, but judge the sin. Right. And say, no, now this is not okay. Why? And one of the big reasons why you need to do it is the very next verse. Verse 6, your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What's he saying? This will spread if it's not dealt with. And you leave the impression from the pulpit that it it might be okay. Not that big of a deal. The next thing you know, you'll have three more couples that are destroying other people's marriages and doing that. Next thing you know, third of the church. He said it'll spread like yeast. It'll spread through the whole thing. It needs to be dealt with. He said, I've already dealt with it in the spirit. You need to get on board with it. He said, you need to separate Yourself from this, you need to pull this guy out of everything and this woman out of everything. Why? Not because you hate them. Not because you're mad at them. Not because you're judging them. They need to get this changed or they're going to be in trouble. They keep going down this path, they could wind up in a bad, bad place. You care about them. You don't want them lost. You want them to come to their senses and repent and get right. What you'd like to see is to restore them. But you're not going to help them by pretending this is okay. That's not love. That's not truth. Can you say amen or oh me or I'll think about it? (laughs) Love wants to help you, not hurt you. And playing along with your delusion is not going to help you. Because they, how many understand these guys, this guy and his uh, stepmother, are they going to have a good, blessed life? No. no, they're not. No matter what they say, no matter what kind of confessions they try to make and scriptures they try to quote, it's not going to make this okay. It's not. It's not going to go well with them. They're exposed to the enemy. There's going to be all kinds of emotional damage. And hurt, uh, how are they going to fulfill the the plan of God for their life? It's not God's plan. They can't do this and then get God to put his uh, approval on it. It's not going to work. Not now. Not 10 years from now. Not 30 years from now. It's not going to be okay. God still loves them. He doesn't hate them. He still loves them. He's not going to call wrong right. He's not going to call sin good. Now, with that in mind, go back to 2 Corinthians and see how he starts out the second letter. This happened in the first letter. That was one of the most confrontational things that he dealt with them about. And you can imagine, you know, what if one of my elders Brother Hagin, who's in heaven now, he was my elder. What if he was still alive and uh, he sent letters to me and said, Keith and Phyllis, I hear you've got this in the church. Why are you allowing this? You better put a stop to it right now. (laughs) Would it be New Testament for this to happen? Should he have a right to speak into our lives? should we show respect to it and respond to it? The truth is, if we'd have been paying attention to the Holy Spirit, wouldn't have been anything for him to find out about, right? It would have been dealt with. Now, somebody's not listening. The people are not listening. The leaders are not listening. This happens too many times. But anyway, he did, and they received it, and they responded, and now he writes to them this second letter. And again, it's not just a man's thinking, is this inspired by the Spirit, or is it, yes. this is the Holy Spirit talking. So chapter 2, and uh, I want to read a few verses of this, and we we'll read it from the New Living Translation. Do you love the Word of God? Amen. All our answers are in here. Yes. How to think about everything, how to believe, how to do, how to live, it's all right here. If you'll receive it. Sadly, there's a lot of people, they don't care what the Bible says. They believe what they believe. But not us around Faith Life Church. The Word is our standard. If it's different from what we think, we change our thinking. Is that right? If it's different from what we're doing, as soon as we find out, we're going to change what we're doing. We're going to line it up with this Word. Because He's right all the time about everything. Is he? Yes, he is. He's right. <laughs> so the Spirit of God, through Paul, now writes to them. In ver- this is the new living. Verse one. Paul said, "The Spirit of God's talking to him now." I decided I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. You see why I went back and read that to you again. You got to remember what's happened. For if I cause you grief. Who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I have grieved. (laughs) You know, you got to watch about jumping on somebody and then wanting to have fun with them. (laughs) Right? It just doesn't work so good that way. (laughs) He said, that's why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know, See, he must have been from the South, <laughs> that my joy comes from your being joyful. Now one, one thing I want us to see real clearly today, I believe in the Spirit for us to see it, is that when we talk about separation, we are not talking about acting holier than thou. We're not talking about acting superior and aloof and judging people and condemning people from what we had to separate ourselves from. Is everybody awake now? We're not going to say it's okay, but that doesn't mean we have to be harsh or hard. We're supposed to be kind. You know, the Bible said, and in fact, we can just we can look at it and read it in Galatians 6:1. Hold your place in 2 Corinthians. We're not done there, but Galatians 6:1 says, "Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that could also be translated sin, you which are spiritual, do what? Restore such a one. How? In the spirit of meekness, considering yourself." lest you also be tempted. Spiritual people do this, this way. Verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he's nothing, apart from the Lord, he deceives himself. If somebody is overtaken, like, like this couple in this church there, now it's easy to condemn and find fault and say, what were you thinking? How'd you ever get involved with your stepmother to start with? But that's being a hypocrite. What do you mean? Well, how'd you ever get involved in stuff you shouldn't have been involved with? And don't you stand up there and act like you never crossed a line and you never missed it? Yeah, but it was years ago. Well, you know, if they get clear, it could be years since they had done it. Is that right? But (laughs) I told people it was a long time ago, yeah, two and a half weeks. Yeah. You know I quit doing that a long time ago yeah. You know why you're laughing, right? I mean, too much truth in this, but uh we're not judging them saying, I would never do that. I could never do that. If we're going to be honest, we know better. Except for the grace of God, in that same situation, you could have done the same thing. You you cross this line, and then you cross this line, and then you cross this line, you start listening to lies. Come on, are you all with me? It don't take too long. You wind up in a place you never thought you would be in. And the only way you can say there's absolutely no way I would ever, could ever do anything like that is to say I've never sinned. You have. So maybe you didn't do exactly what they did, but in spirit you've done very similar things. You knew better. You crossed lines. So act like it. Be honest. And so when you're talking to them and dealing with them, You're not saying you're disgusting. You can't stand to look at you. I don't know how in the world you could do such things. I'd never. That's language of a hypocrite. And that's also misrepresenting the Lord. If you care about them, no matter how, you know, how many understand you got a child and some way or another, they've been playing in the sewage ditch. And you talk about nasty. They are nasty from head to toe. You can smell them across the front yard. Are you ready to throw them away? No. no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so, well, I'll throw them away and make another one. You know. <laughs> they are too bad. They're too. No. No, it's your baby. It's your child. What are we going to do? We want to get them cleaned up. Is that right? We're not throwing them away. We want to clean them up. Now, we're going to agree with them that it's okay to play in the sewage ditch. Never. Yeah, but Daddy, I like it. I don't care. No. Yeah, but Mommy, all the other kids play in the sewage I don't care who plays in the sewage ditch. No, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop. You need to stop going around the sewage ditch. You need to stop hanging out with the kids that play in the sewage ditch. you got to, or that's why that's what's going to happen. Even with the best of instruction and intentions, if they don't separate themselves from the sewage ditch club... They're going to wind up back in the sewage ditch. And even if they didn't listen. And they still hung out with the wrong crowd. And they still wind up in the sewage ditch for the 56th time. And you see them. And you smell them again. You despise the sewage. Is that right? You detest it. It's disgusting. But you still Love them. Is that right? You still love them. And you hold your nose. And you say, come here. Stand over there. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> now, I want you to see that I'm not. That, that's not just my idea of what I was sharing with you. It's in modern language, but I'm actually rephrasing scripture. Go to Jude. And how many understand how hypocritical you would be as a mother or father to say, I never got dirty playing when I was a kid. I never got grass stains on my church clothes. I never, never, I would never. Well, you're a liar. Is that right? You don't remember all the stuff you did. In Jude, just one chapter, 20th verse, we're familiar with that, but look at the context. He said, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves, everybody say, keep yourselves, keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy, everybody say mercy. Mercy Mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Can you see that's what the Spirit of God through Paul was trying to do with that couple? Why in the world would you say, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that their spirit won't be lost. Their spirit will be saved. Why? The path they're on, if they stay on it, it gets darker and darker and darker. And if you get out of fellowship with God's people, you quit reading the word, you quit praying, you quit being around people of faith, and you start hanging around ungodly people more and more, you'll get to the place where you start questioning God's existence and all these kind of things, and if you reject Jesus and say, oh, that's just a bunch of religious junk, I don't believe in that anymore, then you are lost. Your spirit will be lost. Others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the sewage ditch. See what I'm talking about? This is not just my idea. The garment spotted by the flesh, now unto him that's able to keep you, everybody say keep you, keep you. Do you see this is the recurring thing? Keep you from falling in the sewage ditch or whatever, and to present you faultless Clean before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Part of our job is fishing people out of the filth and the junk. Is that right? Despising the sin but loving them. Now we're not going to help them to tell them that God's okay with the junk and the filth. That's not going to help them. We've we've got to not let ourselves be drawn into the junk either. Not be conformed to this ungodly world. But we don't come across on our high horse, holier than thou, acting like we've never missed it and made a mistake and making them identical with the filth. No, they're not just the filth. The filth is on them. They can clean up. They can wash up. Just like, is that right? Come on now. Just like me. Just like you. You need to talk like that. You know, I I can't agree with you about this. It's not right. But I know I was involved in stuff that wasn't right. But God cleaned me up. God washed me up, helped me to see it, helped me to understand it. He loved me even when I was in the filth and junk. He didn't love the filth, but he loved me. And he loves you. Right now, no matter what you're in, let him clean you up. Come on, get out of that. Let him clean. You'll be so much happier, right? You'll be so much happier. You'll be free. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. Go back to uh, our passage. We need to finish this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, New Living Translation. I'll just start from verse 2 again. 2 Corinthians 2, 2. I decided I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. You can hear not just Paul. He had this because he's a godly man and he takes after his father. But you hear the father God talking through this. He's not going to say he's okay with terrible things that hurt people and destroy lives. But He he doesn't want people separated to their destruction. He wants them restored. He said, that's why I wrote to you as I did. So when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know that my joy comes from your being joyful. You know, if you enjoy rebuking people, something's wrong with you. you got a wrong spirit about you. If you enjoy coming down on people and upsetting people, especially judging, that's a wrong spirit. He said, I wrote that letter, what letter? One we just read, 1 Corinthians. I wrote that letter in anguish, with a troubled heart, and many tears. He said, I, I was crying while well, I wrote that to you. About, you know, turning that guy over to the enemy for the destruction of the flesh. He didn't do that lightly. Was he coming across holier than thou? Was he he judging? This is love. This is total love. Many tears. I didn't want to grieve you. But I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. Love will correct you. No matter how uncomfortable it makes everything. No matter if you don't like me for months. Love cares more about how you turn out than how, how much you like me. A lot of people simply don't love enough to correct. I've heard parents say, well, we've never corrected our children. You don't love them enough. You, you just told off on yourself. It's not always convenient to correct. It can be so uncomfortable. People say, oh, I don't like confrontation. I don't like confrontation. Well, what person with the right heart does? Here, Paul, is he enjoying this? Verse 5, I'm not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it's time to forgive and comfort him. Oh, come on, can you see this? Was that God's objective all the time? Not to just come down on the man and woman and kick them out of everything and, and talk about them. Behind their backs. That wasn't God's plan. Never God's plan. Did God love that man and that woman? Yes. yes. But they're not okay doing what they're doing. They need something that will help them wake up. Out of their stupor and out of their delusion. And if all at once they're not serving on the clean team. They're not singing in the choir. They're not even in the church. They should wake up and go Whoa. Are we okay? What did we do? But what's God's will? That they repent. Right? Is it going to be tough on them? Yeah, because now their souls and their emotions are intertwined. They've been acting like husband and wife. And it's going to be, it could be some heartbreak involved in pulling apart and saying, we can't live together. And it can be painful, but it's their own dumb fault. If they'd have never got involved, they'd have never gone through the pain. Come on, can you see this? Had nothing to do with God's plan. People say, well, you can't help who you love. The heart wants what the heart wants. (laughs) If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. You said it. You said it. And it's all big to talk right now. while well, y'all are in the flame of passion and the newness of the relationship, but that's going to wear off in a little bit. And you're still going to have to live life. And now you've burnt bridges and you've done this and you've done that. And you're going to find out they got flesh too, and you got flesh too, and honorness too, and you start resisting the Holy Spirit in one thing, you'll tend to do it in something else, and that's what he's talking about. That path gets worse and worse and worse. And if you dropped your first partner quick for this one, then if it gets a little rough, you'll drop them too quick, and next thing you know, you're just in it till the newness wears off. No covenant commitment. No safety for children that could be brought up in it. How many know God knows how to do it? He knows the right way and people are supposed to be getting free and throwing off these shackles of these Victorian ideas of marriage and all that. Don't you listen to that joke? Put your nose in this book. Is that right? Stay with this. What God has joined together, let no man separate and save yourself a lot of problems by just not getting involved to start with he said now you received my letter you did what I told you to do they did that spiritually and they took them out of the teams and took them out of their involvements he said now it's time to forgive and comfort him otherwise he may be overcome by discouragement can you see this? Yes. Especially people that have really messed up. And a lot of people know it. The enemy then comes to use that to even push them to suicide. Right? Many, many times when people get involved in things that should be obvious that this is wrong. They are they get into the a point where they're deluded. There'll come a time, though, when they come to themselves and see how stupid they were and see how how wrong they were and how much hurt they caused and how much damage they caused. And at that point, the enemy will try to overwhelm them with sorrow and grief. And and they don't want to show their face. They don't want to be around. And that's when we need to be there. Is that right? And we need to remind them, hey, everybody's missed it. Some people are not as well known as others, but everybody has. And people try to categorize sins, but the truth is, a lot of things that people have done that you never knew about, it was just as bad or worse. Because God's always looking at the heart, but whatever it is, life is not over. It's not over. God still loves you. I don't care how many times you fell in the sewage ditch, is that right? God loves you, and he can clean you sparkling clean. You might think, well, I've been into this stuff so bad, I could never get completely clean from it. I've had people tell me, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I've done. And immediately I say, yeah, you don't know how powerful the blood is. Is the blood more powerful than the filth of any failure and sin and degradation? Yes, it is. Not only can it cleanse and wash you inside, the Bible said it cleanses your conscience. Oh, hallelujah. It cleanses and washes your conscience so that your conscience is not bothering you anymore and your heart is not condemning you anymore. That's what's available in the spotless blood of the Lamb. Precious blood of the spotless lamb. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Clean up? We got to clean up. Is that right? We got the cleansing flow. That nothing is too bad to clean. Oh, thank God. Somebody say, thank God, thank God, thank God. He said, uh, verse 7, now. Now. It's time to forgive. Say it out loud. It's time to forgive. And what? Comfort who? Him. How are you going to comfort him? That's what we've just been talking about. First of all, you let him know you still care about him. Yeah, but I did this. Yeah, but I did that. Yeah, we've all made mistakes. But we still love you. We still love you. God still loves you. Comfort it. Somebody say comfort them. Don't comfort them that the sin is okay. That's a lie. Comfort them that God still loves them, that there is a future, no matter how badly you've missed it. You know, there was a time when Peter, one of the greatest pillars in the church, in the foundation of the church, had lied, had denied Christ. Was over there crying his eyes out. Is that right? Yeah. Feeling as low as a man could could feel. And yet, in a relatively short amount of time, he's standing on the day of Pentecost, Hallelujah. preaching like a house of fire, Hallelujah. with thousands of people getting saved. Yes. Hallelujah. Is there a future? Yes. A bright future. Yes. No matter how badly you've missed it. Yes. No matter how badly you fail. There's a few. That's that's comfort. That comforts you when you feel like the devil's telling you, you're done. Nobody wants to see you. Nobody wants to hear you. He's a liar. And you need to demonstrate that he's a liar by showing up and saying, I want to see you. I want to know about you. I was so impressed. uh, Brother Billy Graham, who's gone home to be with the Lord now. A lot of people didn't know it. But there are numerous times he personally showed up at prisons and visited some of the worst people that had, uh, you know, were in the news about the terrible things that they had done and just hit the bottom. He showed up personally. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you know that meant something to them? Some of the worst criminals or worst failures in life. And here they are in this tiny cell thinking their life is totally over. Who wants to see me? Billy Graham has come to see you. Hallelujah. And talk to him. What did he do? You know what he did. He told him about how merciful the Lord is. You know what he did. He told him the good news. The good news and comforted him that this doesn't have to be the end of them. Oh, glory to God. Does this stir something in your spirit? That's because the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. This is a big part of who we are, what we're made for. He said it's time to forgive him, and it's time to comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. What does King James say? Swallowed up. So I urge you now to do what? Reaffirm your love for him. Let him know you love him. Let him know it. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you'd fully comply with my instructions. Should we listen to our elders? Yes, Yes, we should. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. When you forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. The previous letter, he was acting on his authority to separate this man. And give him a wake-up call. Now he's talking about love. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Now we've quoted this many times. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. But do you see the context now? What was Satan's device? Satan's device we know from Jesus' own mouth, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. His purpose was to destroy families, marriages, homes. His purpose was to steal. Maybe this man and woman, maybe they were talented people that could be a help to the church. His plan was to steal them. His plan was to steal and destroy their lives, even all the way to their souls. That's the devil's device. He's always trying to steal people and destroy them. But we're not ignorant of what he's trying to do. And by the grace of God, we can love people. We can help people. We're in the business of restoration. You which are spiritual, got any spiritual people in the house? You which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, knowing in similar circumstances, except for the grace of God, it could be me. But Just like God helped me, He'll help you too. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church.